Let's Talk HR is a place for HR professionals, business owners, and employees to come together and share experiences, talk about what's working and what's not, how we can improve best practices so that companies can better attract, train, and retain all generations of workers. We all know that there has been a huge shift in what people want. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about how the economy has been impacted and what needs to happen to find a balance. I'm your host, Leon Lovely. So let's get this conversation started. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, follow us, like us, and share us. Andrew Bartlow has 25 years of human resource and talent management experience at organizations across a wide spectrum of sizes, maturity stages, and industries. He is the co-author of Scaling for Success, People Priorities for High Growth Organizations, has a master's degree from a top program in his field, and has been CECP, CSHR, Six Sigma, and executive coaching certified. Andrew leads Series B Consulting, which helps businesses to articulate their people strategy and accelerate their growth while navigating rapid change. He also founded People Leader Accelerator, which is the preeminent development program for startup HR leaders. Welcome, Andrew. I am so glad that you agreed to talk with me today. Leanne, really happy to be with you. So tell me a little bit about your background um, and a little bit about your book that you released in January of 2021. I'm, I'm excited to hear about this. Oh, yeah. Well, well, thanks a lot. Um, I have about 25 years of human resources experience at companies very large to very small and everything in between. A uh, bunch of places that you have probably heard of and a bunch of places you probably haven't. Um, had a really fortunate, lucky, successful exit from the last company where I was the head of HR as they went public and went through a number of different mergers and acquisitions and pulled my parachute a few years ago, uh, started consulting uh, and advising um, private equity-backed companies, venture-backed companies, doing some independent work. Um, as I was getting started with that, I wrote my bucket list book that Columbia University um, published. Um, so was just really pleased with their support. And uh, the, the topic of the book um, it is, well, the name of it is Scaling for Success, People Priorities for High Growth Organizations. So that's, that's pretty self-explanatory, but it's really about people and management practices at high growth companies. You don't have to be a, a VC backed tech company for this stuff to be relevant, but there just isn't enough useful, practical material out there for smaller companies. It all tends to be the giant fortune 500s and the, the good to greats and you know, the, these big stories of big successful Googles and Netflix. You know, how, how about the other 99.9% companies, that, that's what I was trying to um, speak to and, and help their HR leaders. So it, it's out in the world now. It's, on, it's in print, it's in audio, there's a Kindle version. Uh, the guy reading it wasn't me. 
Um, but I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, that it got uh, turned into an audiobook. That's awesome. And you, you're so, you're so completely right. You know, we all hear the great stories of these amazingly huge companies being so amazing and doing such amazing things, but that's not the main population of companies that are, that are out there. The little guys need just as much attention and well, there's a heck of a lot more little guys or mid-sized guys than there are monsters of companies out there. So awesome. I have admittedly not gotten the opportunity to read it, but I have definitely, um, I'm excited to read it and, and, you know, take a look at it. So that's great. You work with companies and their leaders to help with some of the, the growing pains that happen with growth in organizations. What are some of the main challenges that you see with those organizations you work with? And how does that vary from different size companies that you do work with? Hmm. Yeah, I think there's actually a lot of consistency across size, across geography, across industry. I mean, the, the management challenges are not super unique. It's really more how you deal with those management challenges and the resources that you have to deal with them. So that the common theme that I see maybe stronger than anything, but the, so what one theme may be stronger than anything is lack of focus, lack of clarity. Too many people at too many organizations are trying to take on too much. Mm -hmm. um, and when, when you do take that on, so this is maybe, you know, number two of what I, what I see a lot of is lifting and shifting. I see a lot of application of somebody else's best practices or whatever some leader heard about um, in an article they read over the weekend or a, a founder group that they're a part of or whatever company they worked at last. It's a lot of lifting and shifting mm -hmm. without really thinking through what's, what's right for them. That completely makes sense. Somebody reads a book at a you know small company and they hear, oh, this really worked at this company, but what works at like, everybody's different. And when you have such vastly different cultures from one organization to the next organization, trying to take a, you know, round peg and shove it into a square hole is just not, it, it's not feasible. It's not effective. And, you know, I've talked about this um, with many other guests, just, you know, trying to figure out the right solution to your particular problem there's, there's typically not just some prepackaged, and, and that's, again, why somebody like you coming in, being able to identify what that is, work with somebody. And then you mentioned that, you know, one person trying to take on so many different things at, at the same time, or, you know, shifting from one role to the another. And, and I've mentioned this to other people, HR people right now are so, they're spread so thin. That it seems like often things get dumped on them and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I completely forgot about that. I have to take care of that. And it's not just HR professionals right now. We, we're, at a, we're at a threshold of having the least amount of employees at almost every company trying to do the most amount of work right now. So it's very interesting and, and I'm assuming that you're dealing with that on a regular basis. Well, heck, I'm, I'm a founder myself of a... Of a couple of different enterprises, so I, I see this and I feel this, and I, I uh, need to take more of my own medicine. Frankly, uh, yeah, have have more focus, mm -hmm. have a clear plan. I, 
I might have coined this. I'm going to say it. You can move 30 things an inch or three things a mile, right? In most cases, it's, it's more helpful to move those three things a mile. Right. And, and then like, what should you work on? What best practice is best for you? Uh, somebody else said this context is king. Mm -hmm. So you really have to understand your own unique situation to figure out what to do about it. And so, you know, buying somebody's book or boy, I used to hate Mondays because the CEOs that I would work for would come in on Mondays with all these grand new ideas of stuff that we had to do that they heard about over the weekend. And then it was up to me to try to figure out how to talk them out of it or how to make it work at an organization that it was never really designed to work at. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I, I had similar experience. One of the um, sales leaders would come in with, oh, I have this new idea on how we can be better salespeople. And then the next week, it was the next flavor of, I have the greatest idea of, and it was like, can we just get through one training session and figure one thing out before we've moved on to the next thing? Because can we just master one skill and become really good at that one thing before we try to become semi-good? at everything. Which comes back to focus. Right. Right. And in a lot of small businesses, just, I can't think of anywhere this isn't true. There's a lot of stuff that has to get done. Mm -hmm. Right. And some, and some of those things can be done just okay. You don't have to be great at everything, but, it, but if you're trying to get, if you're trying to help a business be successful, you should probably pick a few lanes and really, I don't know, I'm going to mix some metaphors here. But you should have the express lane where certain really important strategic things, you make sure that those get happen, that those happen and that those happen on a timeline and don't get pushed to the side when when emergencies come up. Yeah. So as the founder of People Leader Accelerator, I am sure that leaders come to you with all different challenges, small, large. Has the complexity of this changed over time with the increased you know, visibility into people's lives because of technology? Or is it, you know, relative to the times that we're in? Um, I'd say that the noise and the risk of distraction has definitely increased, right, a across all, all sorts of different companies. There's still this need to ruthlessly prioritize. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to get caught up in all the stuff that we're able to hear about with our Apple news feed or whatever is popping up in our notifications and, yeah, the 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 availability of information can be really distracting mm -hmm. and it's and it's easy to fall in love with bright shiny objects and keeping up with the joneses and and that sort of thing but you know beyond beyond that sort of increased potential for distraction i think there i don't know some of the common needs some of the common themes are you know leaders transitioning in their role from doer to manager to leader. I try to help HR people uh, elevate from service provider to designer, from like bringing the burger to designing the menu and the experience at the restaurant and, and help uh, leaders, whether they're a CEO of a, of a investor-backed company, or whether they're an HR leader trying to figure out a founder relationship, uh, help them navigate relationships with their stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So 
has has the complexity of the world around us changed that in a in a big way? I don't know. It's it's easier to be distracted, but it's all the same problem. It's it's different flavors of ice cream, but it's all still ice cream. Right. So, have you seen a change in what leaders need, and do you think that it's directly related, you know, possibly to the pandemic? I mean, obviously, as there's been a shift with people working from home, there's been a a shift with the different things that employees need from those leaders. Have you seen that those leaders are needing more guidance from, from you? I mean, I, I would assume that this is a whole new world for so many people. Oh yeah. Well, for, for everybody, like there, there have been a whole lot of global pandemics, I guess the Spanish flu was a hundred years ago or, right. or something like that. And, and remote work is at, at this level is something new. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd, I'd highlight pay transparency as being one of the drivers of the great resignation. There's, there's a lot going on that, that said, I'll, I'll key in on, on the word that you used need need versus want. And I talked earlier about the distractions and the, the volume of information coming at us. So like, yes, there, there's a lot going on with pandemic compliance requirements. Well, who can be tested and who can come to the office or not return to the office and remote work and comp rates and, you know, great resignation, skilled, skilled labor is impossible to find uh, or, or recruit or retain nowadays. So lots of talk about all that, but I encourage leaders to think hard about what they need. What should you be working on? What is most important for you right now? And, and less about getting, you know, tied up in, again, that, that flavor of the day or the bright, shiny object. So what's really critical for your business to figure out and then don't overcomplicate it. So with that in mind, what, you know, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll give that as a long preamble and try to answer the question around like, what do leaders need? I think leaders need some reflection time. I think leaders need some headspace to get regrounded in what they're trying to accomplish in their role and their goals and their purpose and try to avoid all that noise and distraction of ping. We've got a new, um, uh, law about, you know, pandemic stuff or ping somebody new resigned or like, okay, what are we trying to do? What are the handful of most important things that we need to do to accomplish that? Let's get after it. That's what leaders need. They need more focus, more focus time. So how do you, I guess, do you assist them with how that looks, that focus time? Do you guide them in how does that focus time become easier? How do you create and what do you focus on in order to hone in on the things that you need for your business? Yeah. Well, hey, hey, to be clear, I am not a guided meditation yogi, right? (laughs) Right. To be clear, that's not my jam. Deep breathing now. Okay, now put your hands. No. Yeah, I do. I do live in the Bay Area of San Francisco, uh, (laughs) Metro. Like there's definitely a lot. Yeah. And and hey, the the whole mindfulness, you know, thing and meditation like that really, really works for some people and some leaders and great. Go, go do what works for you. Right. Um, what, what I, what I help with is pointing out some of those obvious things, okay. right? Like, 
pick out your three things that you're going to move for a mile. Um, I, you know, have, have the freedom be able to be able to give the straight talk to the HR leaders and CEOs and investor groups that I work with to say like, where, where's the list of things that are most important? Mm -hmm. How about we write it down together? Oh, look, it's 47 items. But what's most important out of, out of those things? There, there's a really nice model um, by Patrick Lencioni, a prolific author, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He's got a bunch of other books out there. The latest, I think, is The Advantage, uh, where, where he uses the six questions for clarity. How do we behave? What, you know, what is our purpose? Um, what's most important right now? You know, I, I won't list them all. Right. Uh, that feels too much like a quiz that I walked myself into. Um, but the, the point is clarity. And so how do I help leaders? I'm, I'm holding their hand, walking with them, doing org planning, doing prioritization. Um, I, I help a lot of my uh, HR clients build a people plan. What are the three most important things for, or however many, most important things for your HR organization to deliver and how closely aligned are those things to what's most important for your company? Mm -hmm. That's often a missed connection. And then do you have the right resources, vendors, dollars, headcount uh, lined up to deliver against it? So yeah, that, that it's, it's honestly not rocket science. It's just uh, the, the uh, ultimate collection of a lot of stub toes and you know, accidents through a 25 year career of working with a bunch of different companies. And you know, doing some of that uh, organizational planning, you know, at a lot of organizations, nobody's really tasked with doing that, and it and it fell to me over the years. And uh, there are a couple of different models out there. There's EOS, there's Gazelles, there's a bunch of different consultants that will apply their framework. Uh, but I, I, you know, really focus pretty practically on let, let, let's find a short priority list and you know just walk through what execution looks like. And the great that you, you know, kind of clarified that because, you know, you walk into somebody's office and half the time you see either stacks of, oh, that's my to-do pile, that's my done pile. And that is half the battle is figuring out what is the priority, what needs to get done now, what can I push off till later. And even when those lists are made, it's, it's never ending lists. So to help somebody in a senior role to, to even just to help HR person to help me who constantly is looking at the next shiny object going, Ooh, Ooh, I can't wait to get to that when I haven't finished the project that I'm working on, you know, previously. And my husband yells at me about that all the time, you know, Hey, what about, you know, the, the crap that's laying on the table that you were supposed to finish two weeks ago. And I'm like, Oh yeah, but this one looks way much more fun. And he's like, yeah, but, and I'm to have somebody be able to say, okay, wait, What's the most important thing to you? What's the most important thing to the business, to grow the business, to make sure everybody that's creating the product for your business is being provided for? That, that's half the battle to, to keep that going and then obviously growing. And yeah. there's a lot of companies out there that may be able to keep it going, but don't understand what that looks like if you are growing. And what those growing pains look like, you know, as you want to scale up and as you and you hear it all the time of companies who hit maybe a million dollar mark and then they just can't they just can't level up because they don't have the tools in place. And once or if they hit that five million mark, 
they don't know how to you know go on be beyond that it's a it's at all sizes and stages i have a client I'm working with right now uh that's 600 million dollars and they're trying to get to a billion like those are big numbers right but it's different like it's I, I saw uh, actually somebody who went through my People Leader Accelerator program just put a really thoughtful article out on LinkedIn today. And he refers to organizations like potted plants. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, I, I didn't heard yeah. All right. So here's a connection. If the if the organization is growing, it's going to need to be repotted into a different pot over time. Otherwise it'll die. It'll, you know, it, it'll outgrow the framework that it's in. And so, you know, things are different at different sizes and stages and complexity and just knowing that and maybe moving into the bigger pot before you absolutely need it, but not too early. Uh, don't drop your little cactus into a giant bathtub. Um, you know, be, be aware of that natural transition. Right. And wow, that's a great analogy. I, when you first said that, I went, I don't understand. But as soon as, <laughs> right now, as soon as you started walking through that, I went, but I also kill every plant that's in my house. So maybe I should well, learn something from that. I need I need to credit the author on that. Daniel Illis from Vinted. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's absolutely great. A great analogy. Um, and again, yeah, I, I kill every plant in my house. So maybe I should read that. <laughs> You know, also help me in business, right? Okay, so many people that I have spoken with have said that the problems that we are experiencing now with everything that's going on in the world um, would eventually have become issues for businesses, that it's it's it would have just happened at a slower pace, that the pandemic has just basically accelerated what we are seeing in businesses, um, what we are seeing in, well, a lot of things. Furthermore, they've said that this could be a good thing um, because now we're seeing a lot of the issues that would have eventually come out. A, a light is being shined on them with, you know, a lot of things that we haven't talked about, whether that be, you know, issues in the way that HR or the issues in, in whatever it might be in businesses that they weren't addressing before. Do you agree that it could be a good thing that we're kind of shining a light on some of the things that would eventually have been addressed and that yeah well is it is it a good thing or a bad thing i don't know that's kind of a value judgment it, it's definitely a thing like it's it's definitely accelerated and that means that organizations should adapt to it and deal with it and try to be try to try to move up on the curve so you're not you know, reactionary and dealing with, you know, a, a lack of available workforce. So, you know, a, a value judgment of good or bad, I think it kind of depends where you stand. But I, you know, to give a little bit more detail on what, what I'm seeing happening in the, in the workplace, uh, and I deal with a bunch of different employers through my various uh, plates spinning. With technology, we have dramatically increased the visibility of pay rates. So you can find out what different jobs make at different places and it's no longer just professional workers that can figure that stuff out, right? Like, uh, you know, hourly industrial manufacturing service workers that are, you know, some of the lowest paid workers in the United States, they can find out that they can make more somewhere else. And they didn't used to be able to do that before the rise of technology and 
and uh, information that way. They can also get better and more information on the quality of a workplace. Like think of Glassdoor and Indeed and employer reviews. Uh, so they can figure out, hey, is this a good place to work or not? And that, you know, so, so technology has increased transparency uh, in the workplace. And so whether that's related to the pandemic or not, I think it's accelerated people looking around, um, looking up and trying to figure out, is this the right situation for me? I think the pandemic has been a, a point of reflection for a lot of workers, whether you're a, uh, you know, working in a cafe or you're the CEO of a big organization, you look up and you look around and you say, what things are different. What, what do I want my situation to be? And, and those moments when you reflect and look around, you're frankly more likely to make a move than you are when you're not looking around, when you're just doing the work. The, the other big area is, is remote work. So technology certainly enabled remote work, but those core tools have been around for a long time. They just really accelerated the adoption, you know, forced by some of the stay-at-home orders. So yeah, it was a it was a trend, but you know, it was it was nothing like it has been over the past year or two and and maybe the years ahead. So will more employers become more purposefully hybrid or intentionally fully distributed and let go of their commercial office leases? Yeah, well, I think the percentages will move. I mean, we'll see what that eventually looks like, but I'm I'm certain that that movement will move faster as a result of this pandemic than it would have otherwise. So there's just lots of lots of implications that touch the world of human resources and management brought on by this by the pandemic and technology. It affects productivity, it affects performance management, learning, compensation, attraction and retention. There's a lot going on in the HR world related to this confluence of events and technology. Yeah, absolutely. And and an interesting fact that I read is that remote workers that were polled are 22% happier than people hmm. that are not working at home because of the fact that they are able to do and have a higher work-life balance. They're happier, but they're putting in over 40 hours, 43% more of the time than their counterparts who are working on site. And the reason that they said that they were, were doing this was because, one, there's no commute. So instead of having to get up and leave the house at 7.30 to make it to work, and that's being, you know, depending on where you live, you may have to leave at 7 to get there at 8. You may have to leave at 7.30 to get there at 8, whatever your commute is. But no longer do they have that commute. They can get out of bed. They can have breakfast with their family if their family's there. They can drop the kids off at school and then be, and for most cases, your children are within your school district, which is usually within a certain radius of your home. They're back at home. You know, getting to work by eight o'clock is quite easy. And if you don't have to leave your house at all, getting to work by eight o'clock is very easy. So they're gaining all of this time. So all of a sudden putting in that extra half hour, extra hour, extra two hours of work doesn't feel like you're putting in that extra hour or two hours of work because you're really not, I mean, you're, you would have otherwise been sitting in your car on your way to work. 
so having those in, those individuals who are putting in that extra time is all of a sudden not a not a big deal to them because and they're 22 percent happier yeah well and and um maybe it has impact this is speculation maybe it's impacted the number of meetings that occur because meetings now need to be scheduled over whatever platform you're using we're using zoom today um rather than walking around the office and collecting everybody to move into a conference room to talk about whatever um, because some thought and planning needs to be put into it, it maybe it happens less and so people actually have more time to do the work versus talking about the work correct you also don't have employees hanging out in the lunchroom talking for 25 minutes about their weekend or about how their kid did this or you know and and i was one of those employees that you know you get me on a conversation you get gee i wonder how I ended up doing a podcast. You know, I was one of those employees who would sit and chit chat about, you know, how are you? How are you? You know, what's going on? And it, I mean, think about the hours. And, and again, it's a natural thing. You want to know your coworkers, but think about the amount of hours wasted at work of coworkers just making small talk. Yeah. Think about how much more productive you are when you're at home, even if you get up to do laundry, even if you get up to do all of these different things. And again, I'm not arguing one way or another. Okay. There are a ton of employers out there who are still dug in and say, we will never go remote. It just won't work for us. And right. again, essential employees, they can't. Most of the essential employees, healthcare workers, police officers, we, you can't believe, be a police officer and work at home. You have to be out there. We, we need you out there. We need firemen out there. We need our healthcare workers out there. And if you are any of those, thank you for your service. Thank you for doing that. But there are a ton of positions that can be done at home. And some employers are still saying, no, we won't do that. But the technology is now available. And to say that you're disconnected from the world, we are very much connected right now, having a conversation. You're in San Francisco, I'm in Wisconsin. And yet we are still finding a way to connect through a platform. And I don't know how I went off on this tangent, but I do have a tendency to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'd love, to, I'd love to follow up on a couple of those comments. And, and that is that with remote work, there's still a value in building relationships. Most things still get done in organizations through relationships and who knows who versus a really clear process flow or list of instructions. And so, you know, knowing who you're working with and, you know, having a connection with people that gives you more meaning, that gives you more purpose. Those are all kind of fluffy things mm -hmm. that are hard to, that are hard to pin down to hard economic value. Um, I, I'd suggest that there's the... Yeah, as more organizations move to more distributed environments, there will be more intentional gatherings rather than the drop-ins. So that, that's probably useful and probably money better spent than fancy office space mm -hmm. in, in one particular geography. I'd also, we're making predictions now. All right, so here we're doing this. Um, in 2022, I think there's going to be an increased focus on worker productivity and performance. So all these people that are working somewhere where their managers can't see what they're doing. Um, yes, maybe they're working more hours. Yes, maybe they are more productive, but 
there's very little right now to ascertain whether that's true or not. And so I think there will be a rise of tools and technologies and hopefully not like nanny cams in people's home offices, right? How scary is that? Um, but I think there will be a lot of interest in figuring out, are my workers, is my team working on the right stuff um, to ensure that we get stuff done if we're not all together where we can um, follow up with each other? Yeah. And, you know, right now, I, I know that when one of my um, close friends, uh, she's um, in accounting, and I know that when she is, her computer is idle, her company knows. Mm. So, I mean, there are some form of that now. There is yeah. some way to, I mean, I, I have teams. I have teams on my work computer, and when I'm away from my desk, it goes to an idle mode, and my boss will, my boss knows if I'm now, I don't have a boss who's like, Hey, where are you? You know, not that I have a problem. I'm, Hey, I'm at a meeting, you know, I'm in for my day job. I'm in sales. So I'm all over the place today. I was taking meetings in my car. I mean, it's, it's the way of the world when you have the ability to do technology that way. Now I've been in a sales role for many years of my career. So I'm used to being out on the road, I'm used to being, you know, half the time not in the office anyways. So, but yes, what you just said about technology being able to, I hope it doesn't get to a point where it's a nanny cam type thing where it's watching me sit at my desk. That would make me wildly uncomfortable, but, <laughs> but you never know. I, Screenshots. There are technologies that'll take screenshots of your of your computer and and flag if it looks like you're on a YouTube site or whatever doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, I am in no way advocating for these things. <laughs> uh, please please don't take that audience uh, as as my recommendation. Um, this is more of a prediction as mm -hmm. as remote work and distributed work uh, increase and. You know that becomes the expectation of the workforce. You you'll have a tougher time recruiting people and retaining people if you don't allow more of that. I mean, there there will still be companies that are fully together. That that's fine, but um, there will be an increased focus on on managing that mm -hmm. distributed workforce. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And maybe you just came up with the next brilliant idea: open up a company, create the technology to be able. No, I'm no. I wouldn't want to do that. Not that hard. I'm in. I'm just outside Silicon Valley. I had a call with a, a Ukrainian product uh, design engineering firm just before this call. It's not that hard. Everybody's doing it. Yep. Yeah. Technology popping up everywhere. New platforms. New recruiting platforms popping up everywhere. I hear that one all the time. Yeah. Now it's a you know, and people ask me, how do you beat the bot when you apply to a position? I, I don't know. You end up in a virtual stack of resumes. That's why I send you to a live recruiter who then sends you to companies. Okay. Anyways, now we are pretty much at time. So this is the final question. This, the question that I'm asking everybody. Yep. If you could pinpoint a time period in your career that made a huge difference in your life or career path, when would that be and why? Yeah, so I had a really major formative experience early in my career. Um, it was my second job out of grad school. I left Pepsi 
to become head of HR at some tiny technology professional services company. So I was head of HR at a startup at 24, 23 years old. And we took that company, I was hire number 20. We took it to about 120 um, employees globally in less than a year. Oh, wow. um, and then, I mean, this, this uh, definitely dates me, but then the dot-com crash happened and it completely went out of business. It went from 120 to zero. Uh, so talk about a, a tremendous formative experience. Lasted a year, we went from 20 to 120. We went from local to national to global. Uh, and then we went out of business. So it, during that time, I, I learned how to partner with finance. So we were doing all the workforce planning. We, we figured out we couldn't make payroll. We had to talk to the CEO, founder about that. I learned how to interact with a business leader, a CEO founder, which is a very different animal than a air quote professional founder that grew up inside of a, of a company that somebody else started. I learned prioritization at that small company because everything needed to be done and everything was on fire. And, and by, bottom line, I just had received a lot of hard knocks and stub toes along the way. And it makes a story that I'm telling you know, 20 years later. So that, that was a really formative experience for me that, that helped accelerate my career path through some of those hard knocks. Wow, 23? You were 23 yeah. when you director yeah. of HR? Wow. That is an experience. And I'm sure one that really launched you into, you know, a whole lot of new understanding of, of, of things. So thank you for sharing that. And Andrew, thank you so very much for coming on today. If somebody wants to get a hold of you or reach out to you about, um, you know, well, your book or your services, how would they go about doing that? Great. Well, th thanks for the underhanded um, pitch. I'll, uh, I'll try to hit it out of the park. LinkedIn is a great place to find me. There are not that many Andrew Bartlows. Uh, I also have a website for the development program for HR leaders, uh, People Leader Accelerator. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And then I have my own uh, personal single shingle uh, consulting firm, and it's called Series B, as in boy or Bartlow um, consulting series B consulting.com. Perfect. Well, thank you again. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to let's talk HR. I appreciate your time and support without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode to follow us, like us or share us, have a wonderful day.